Today is Tuesday, May 16th, and this is another episode of Titletown. The Boston Celtics have taken down the Philadelphia 76ers in seven games. Jason Tatum with an all-time performance in Game 7, 51 points. He sets the Game 7 record for points scored, which was held for about two weeks by Steph Curry. And the Celtics are moving on. They'll take on the Miami Heat, a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference Finals. The matchup that the Eastern Conference Finals has now had three of the last four years, uh, if you go back to the bubble. Um, obviously, Miami won the bubble series in six games. Boston took care of business last year in seven. So there's no reason to believe that this year's series uh, won't be just as thrilling. Um, Steve and I talk about that. My cat, Arnold, he makes a surprise appearance that I wasn't fully expecting. But, um, yeah, he, he stuck in here for, for a little bit. So be on the lookout for that. And, uh, yeah. Let's get into it. We got all that and more coming up next on Title Town. survived uh, what was going in looking like it was going to be a wire to wire uh, game seven a very competitive game ended up not being very competitive the Celtics took over in the second half mostly with their defense we all know Jason Tatum had a historic game seven uh, I'm Matt Steve is here with me Steve before we get going how we doing pretty good pretty good I'm uh you know look, looking forward going go looking forward to going forward and Seeing, seeing how far we can go and probably not ready to pay attention to the West yet. Uh, you know, cross that, cross that, cross that bridge when it really matters, you know, get past Miami, uh, put a curse on Jimmy Butler and then I'll start thinking about Lakers or Nuggets. It's crazy how we both laughed at the Lakers all year and here they, here they are. Yeah. Yeah. You had to remind me of that, right? <laughs> yeah. We look kind of, look kind of foolish, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, that should be a great the series. That, that starts but the Warriors look sort of foolish too. So that yeah, makes it cool. worthwhile. I mean, I can't, I actually, you know, I still sort of am just like getting over the fact that they're actually, they're gone. Like we don't have to worry about them. Like I was, I was waiting that entire night, you know, that game six against the Lakers. I was waiting for them to, you know, something to break their way or for them to have somebody step up, but thankfully it never happened. So the defending champs are out, but the team who represented the, East in the finals last year, the Boston Celtics obviously are still in. Uh, they annihilated the Philadelphia 76ers. And really, we can, you know, we won't spend too much time on this series, obviously, but uh, game one, there was no Joel Embiid, and Boston, they laid an egg, obviously lost the game that, you know, they should have won. Um, and as we've seen many times before, they showed up with not a lot of urgency, not you know, a lot of energy. And it came back to bite them. Uh, games two and three, they you know was a blowout in game two. Game three, I thought was a really solid win for them on the road. They took back home court. Uh, game four, they were down sixteen. Obviously, Tatum played what we thought was at the time his worst half of basketball. Uh, and Celtics came back. They were able to get that game to overtime. 
Jalen Brown obviously helped off of James Harden, who really had it going in that game, and we all know what happened there. Uh, there was a lot of dialogue whether Joe Mazzulla should have or shouldn't have used the timeouts at the end of regulation and at the end of overtime. I was one of the people that agreed with him not using um, the timeouts. Boston loses that game. The series was evened up. Game five was terrible, disgraceful, whatever word you want to use for it. Um, they went down 3-2. And I think everybody thought that the season was pretty much over going into the fourth quarter of game six. Jason Tatum had three points. He was one of 13 from the field. And somehow, someway, like they have many times before, they figured it out when it mattered most, and they were able to force a game seven. Tatum, of course, outscored the 76ers team by himself in the fourth quarter. Just a total, you know, just a polar opposite compared to where he was in the first half. And then game seven really was close at the half and then wasn't close in the second half. Uh, overall, I think Philly really pushed Boston. I think they created a lot of doubt or put a lot of doubt in the back of, you know, the minds of some of the Celtic players. And I think while you didn't want to see it go to a game seven or you didn't want to see old habits sort of, you know, you can't even say they're old habits because we've seen them you know, time and time again. But I think it also is good for them to sort of face some adversity like they did and to once again be able to overcome it. Uh, so that was sort of my biggest takeaway. What was uh, what was your biggest takeaway from this past series? Oh, not not a whole lot different than, than yours. Uh, you said a minute ago, terrible, disgraceful, pick your word. Uh, I'm inclined to pick both of them if I can. Uh, it was... Um, you know, it, it was at least that and then some. Uh, I was surprised. I, I'd missed the, the fact along the way that um, Jason Tatum had gone three games in a row without scoring in the first quarter. Uh, and and, and that, that, was, that was mentioned, um, well, I guess, when he scored his first points on, on Sunday. And, and I, I, I'd missed that, that, uh, that little factoid. Um, people kind of ripped him for his performance in game in game six that, you know, he just didn't show up, but he did lead the team in rebounds, did lead the team in assists. And, you know, he's a multifaceted player and he doesn't have to score you know, 51 points a game or even 41 or even 31 to to impress me. Every time he grabs one of those rebounds with a, with a, with a great deal of, of force and power that just warms the cockles of my heart uh you know the the team the team stepped up put it together and i don't know how often they're going to allow themselves to um have a slack effort and then hope that they can pick it up again and uh it was, it was by the skin of their teeth really on um on in 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 game six they were what three and a half minutes or four and a half minutes away from the season ending and as i told you when we started i didn't smile for a moment during that game and not even at the end did i smile i just you know i was uh, i was fairly grim it took me a while to lose that grimness but they certainly um you know as, as christopher gasper said today in the boston globe they they uh they are clearly they they clearly have the potential to just uh, rock their way through Miami and whether it's either the Lakers or the Nuggets, you know, that that's what's in their in their wheelhouse to do. He also used the expression that this was the season of redemption and realization. And I think they're they're still they they won't redeem themselves until the season's over and they've they've got the title. 
Right. And the realization um, that has yet to kick in. That that will, you know, if they get that title, then they'll, uh, then the realization will be there. But but I but I like the way he phrased that. This coming into the season, this was the year for redemption and realization. Right. Yeah. And so far, I mean, they're off, you know, to to a great start. They're four wins away from uh, getting back to the NBA Finals, and you know, we'll get into that series coming up. Um, some things that have taken place over the past week or so. Um, number one, uh, if you haven't heard the news um, by now, Doc Rivers was uh, he was relieved of his duties uh, because they couldn't just come out and say that they fired him. But he did have, I think, two years left on his contract, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see if another team pursues him, sort of what that process is like. I don't know if then the contract with Philly is voided. That may or may not be how that works. I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, Doc, obviously he was fired from the Clippers for, you know, just coming up short time and time again. Uh, he didn't want to stay in Boston for a rebuild. And it's kind of funny because – you know, in the 10 years since he left, the Celtics have gone past the second round five times. And, you know, every team he's coached, he hasn't been out of the second round. So it's sort of funny how things work out. Yeah. Um, and then obviously here today, he gets let go. I actually think he's sort of a fall guy for this Philly team. Whether Joel Embiid was hurt or not, and we'll never know what the extent of the injury was until, you know, we hear in a week or so that he's having surgery to repair whatever was wrong with his knee. Uh, Joel Embiid really wasn't great in this series. He didn't play game one. They did win that that game, obviously, behind the heroics of James Harden. And we'll get to Harden in a second, too. But Joel Embiid was terrible in game seven. I mean, he was he was an absolute no-show. Uh, game six in the fourth quarter, when it came time to close the Celtics out, and they had a great opportunity in front of him, uh, he just he never demanded the ball. Like, he didn't want the ball in the fourth quarter. Uh, and, and I'm sorry, but that's just not what, you know, he's the MVP of the league and I get it's a regular season award, but like, that's just not what MVP players do. Uh, and, and quite frankly, he had no success guarding Jason Tatum yesterday and Tatum went after yesterday, well, on Sunday. And mm-hmm. you know, Jason Tatum was just going at him every single time. And Embiid was really a non-factor in that game. And now you get to James Harden and I mean, this has been the story of his entire career. He's another guy, great regular season player. He's a Hall of Fame player. He gets to the playoffs and he just shrinks and he melts down under the pressure. He looks like somebody, he looked like he was at, petrified to be out on the court on Sunday in game seven. Like yes. he, did, he didn't want the ball. He didn't want to shoot the ball. Um, not to the level of, you know, Ben Simmons, but I'm sure some Philly fans ultimately did get flashbacks, you know, going back to, you know, that whole saga. But there was a lot of, you know, rumors about him and especially, you know, in the coming days after, you know, they were eliminated that he may be returning to Houston or that he could go out to Phoenix and play with, you know, with Durant and Booker. Um, you could have told me that he signed with Houston at the dev- or at the uh, halftime and I probably would have believed you because he was just a non-factor in the second half. And I guess when your two best players, one of which who's a league MVP, when they're really non-factors in, you know, outside of two of the, you know, the seven games that were played in the series, I don't know how that falls on the coach. And I thought Doc had an all right series. I didn't, like, I thought he made some adjustments. I thought he did, you know, a good job in the series, but ultimately they just lost to a better team. So you can, we get on, you know, people 
clown doc because he's, you know, he's blown the most three, one leads or the most three, two leads in the league. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I didn't think he really deserved to get fired this time around, but it, it ultimately like, you're not going to get rid of Embiid and you're not going to trade James Harden if you don't have to. So, you know, doc was just the fall guy here. Yeah, he can only do so much when 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 those two guys just did not show up, and you use the word scared. And uh, I, I I suspect um, surgery is going to be announced very soon in in Embiid's uh, future in Harden. I just don't know where where he went to. He really was uh, he really was like a deer caught in the headlights. And when when he was on the games, he was on. He was uh, he he was he was beyond dynamite, but. You know how the two of them can just kind of crumble uh, when when it really mattered most. Yeah, I don't I don't know what Doc Rivers is is supposed to do about that. I think somewhere in the last couple of days, um, Harden was asked uh, how his relationship is with uh, with, uh, with 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 Doc Rivers and whether he has faith in him going forward, something like that. And and Harden only answered the first part by saying our relationship is okay. That's not exactly a vote of confidence for coach. Uh, you know, he had every chance in the world to, uh, uh, you know, come out and 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 give uh, give hope to the Philadelphia fans um, going forward. And I have yet to get to uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer over over the last couple of days. I've just kind of forgotten to do that. But I but I still want to see how the how the Philadelphia press dealt with that one. Just just sort of morbid cruelty on my part, I think. But I, I can't imagine that the Philly press was, you know, too impressed with that one at all. No. I will give uh, I will give Embiid credit for his post game, um, I don't know, behavior. You know, he took the time with each of the each of the each of the Celtics they talked to to talk to them at length. And often behind mm-hmm. a closed hand, everybody else. And I can understand the team was was shocked, but you know this was this was a time where the the handshake really was, um, you know, j- just a handshake. And I, I think Philadelphia, the, the the players, just wanted to get get off the court, out of that environment as soon as they can, and indeed hunt around. And um, you know that that was that was a class act. That was an MVP thing. You know, yeah. you're not you're not voted the MVP on the basis of of uh, your character. Yeah, your character. But I, you know, he showed it then, and I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah, and you know, this isn't like a you know we're gonna kill Embiid type of thing. I mean, he was obviously hurt, and I think the fact that he was out there risking you know further damaging whatever you know ailment he was dealing with, I think it shows a lot. And I think it says a lot about him. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean. There's other guys too, like Tobias Harris. I mean, this is a guy who is making max money, and I think he averaged 12 points and shot like 30% from the field for the series. I mean, when you when you compare that sort of production and you know just the idea that they could have kept a guy like Jimmy Butler, who will you know I'm sure we'll we'll mention his name a time or two, you know, in this episode, um, you know, it really makes you wonder what that what that Philly team could have looked like. Um, but there are a lot of really solid head coaching options out there now. I know Monty Williams, um, and he's another guy that I, I don't really see how, you know, he's the fall guy. He's sort of the fall guy for what happened in Phoenix. Um, you know what? It's his fault that Chris Paul can't stay healthy again. Like Chris Paul is never healthy come time for the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought the Suns were just a super incomplete team, but 
Um, Monty Williams obviously is available. Mike Boonholzer is available. Nick Nurse. Yeah. And of course, Doc Rivers. So you think he may Udoka is maybe kicking himself for taking that Houston job too early? He might be, uh, but, but I think I think that's a, that's a good opportunity for him. It's a great opportunity for him yeah. to uh, you know really prove prove that he's that that he's not only a good coach but possibly a great coach. And it's kind of a no lose situation because it is a it is a you know team that's in the bottom bottom run. I mean, we'll see what happens with the with the draft lottery. Ah, uh, yes. And so. No, I, I, I think, I think uh, Ime is, I think he's in a good, good position. Yeah. And, and I think too, I'm not sure if, you know, what it would have been. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I know Milwaukee isn't like the biggest media market in the world, but like, I just imagine him with the Bucks and like him being in the spotlight a lot more there with a profile team like the Bucks and the success that they've had and just sort of, you know, what the stories that would be written about him would be like and the questions he'd have to answer. So I feel like him being in sort of a lower profile area for his first, you know, year or two back coaching, I think will certainly benefit him, will benefit, you know, what team he was on. So, I mean, I, yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think, you know, him going and jumping into, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers where he was an assistant coach at one point, uh, I don't think – him going there, you know, coaching these high-profile guys in, you know, a pretty large media market would be, you know, the best thing for his current situation. On a very personal level, I'm I'm glad he's not in the East anymore. I would not have, uh, you know, let him let him, let him be in the West. And definitely, uh, no, 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 no big chance of coming back uh, all that often and, and and gaining his own redemption against the Celtics. So right. good that he's over in the West. So um, we'll segue into something, you know, a little more positive, not people losing their jobs. But um, we talked so much on here about Jalen Brown and what his future with the Celtics would look like. And we all, you know, we talked about if he makes Hall NBA, then it was likely that he would come back. And I want to say last week, Jalen Brown was named to the second All NBA team. Um, and Jason Tatum made first team, of course, but more specifically to Jalen Brown, this now allows him to be eligible for a max uh, contract extension, which can be handed out this summer. Uh, I'm not up to date on the new CBA that was signed, but I believe this is still the best contract that he can sign um, when he hits, you know, I think it like, I don't think he can hit free agency and sign a contract that has, like the same number of years and the same money. I think the the drop is very, very significant. Um, so our attention now turns after the season, of course, we'll turn to that. And I, you know, with each passing day, I'm growing more and more confident that he will be back. I think, you know, so much was made of him and the fans and earlier in the year with, you know, whether it was him calling him out in those articles that he went on. And then when he had like the standing ovation, um, they asked him about it after the game and he sort of just didn't make it, you know, he said, yeah, I just went on and did my job I, and didn't make a big deal about it. Um, but you saw, you know, headed into game seven, he called out the fans and, you know, told them that he wanted them to, you know, to bring the energy and they did. Um, and I just think he's shown a lot more emotion and a lot more, like, I think we've seen more emotion come out of him lately. Um, yes. And maybe that's just, you know, the, the playoffs and the intensity that's there. Um, 
but certainly him making all NBA plays a huge factor into this, but I'm, I'm very confident that Jalen Brown will be here, you know, for, you know, the longer, you know, duration of his career. Oh, I sure hope so. Uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine going into, uh, you know, next season without him. They're, they they have this terrific core. They do everything they can to uh, to keep it together, not not a uh, not mess with success. Assuming success is going to happen here, um, but yeah, he's he's got to stay. And, and and any of the Facebook posts that I see that are speculating about what the trade bait for him could be, those just make me absolutely crazy. Um, <laughs> another reason to stay off Facebook uh, as much as possible, I think. <laughs> don't need don't need that kind of aggravation on top of anything no, else. No, they're uh, yeah, no. It's some of the mock trades I've seen are crazy. I mean, they just think that the Celtics are going to give this guy up at all, you know, for pennies on the dollar, and you know, like that's not exactly <laughs> how it works. So, no. Uh, <laughs> No, but he, he's been unbelievable in these playoffs. He's probably been their best player um, yep. in these playoffs, more, you know, most consistent player. And, you know, he's a guy who I think last year the world got to see how good, you know, of a player he truly is. And I think this is just another, you know, driving force for him is that he, again, gets to, you know, we hear all, you know, all about Jason Tatum and rightfully so. And I think unless you watch the Celtics, you know, you know, they know how good Jalen Brown is and, you know, just, you know, where he his place is sort of in this league, uh, but to someone who maybe is just like a casual NBA fan, I don't think you know. And these past two playoff runs have really given you, uh, you know, an idea of who he is and sort of you know where he stands in the league because he truly is. He's one of the best fifteen players in the league, and uh, you yeah. know he's a guy who gets better every year and hasn't even reached his prime yet. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree with you more. So, with all that being said, we'll jump into. The Eastern Conference Finals mm. for the third time in four years. The Celtics will match up with Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. Um, I was obviously dead set against playing the Heat in the first round. I was praying that the Atlanta Hawks would pull off the upset and playing game, and they did. That being said, the Miami Heat did do the impossible. They took down the Milwaukee Bucks and – you know, we had our conversations about that, which you can go back and listen to. I feel like, you know, the Bucks were sort of a house of cards and it was just, you know, they were kind of waiting to crumble and they did. They did take out a, a New York Knicks team that I still really don't know what to make of the Knicks this past season. Uh, they're obviously, they were a good team, um, but I don't, like I didn't, I don't watch Nick basketball, so I don't know truly how good they were, um, but they made short work of the Knicks in six games. So they've obviously had, a, you know, a relatively easy path as far as the number of games played in each series. And Jimmy Butler has clearly led the way for them. And credit to their role players, they've stepped up. Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, Max Struess. Uh, those guys have been phenomenal for them. Kyle Lowry, who I can't fucking stand, has been great for them off the bench. Um, I actually am now just realizing I got to watch another seven-game series of Kyle Lowry. So this is a... It's really unfortunate. Um, yeah. <laughs> Miami had the 25th ranked offense in the league. We talked about that. That was in the regular season. Uh, that obviously doesn't mean shit anymore as they're one of the better remaining offensive teams left in the playoffs. They are without Tyler Hero, who is a 
big piece for them. And my thing with Miami is I don't know how they're going to be able to score enough points to keep up with the Celtics. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks have a lot of guys that they could exploit and go at on the uh, on the defensive end, as did the New York Knicks. Boston doesn't really have that guy. Um, and I think if the Celtics are going to have success in this series, it's going to have to be starting on the defensive end. And I always, you know, Joe Mazzullo this season wanted to lean in, you know, on the offense this year, and rightfully so. They were one of the better offensive teams that we've seen in the league. But when this team gets it going on the defensive end and they're all in, you know, locked in and sync on defense, uh, they're a tough team to beat. And as we saw in the third quarter of game seven, it started with the defense and they went on at one point, I think it was a 35 to three run or a 35 to five run or something and just completely obliterated Philadelphia. And obviously their defense is going to be honed in on Jimmy Butler, but they have guys that they can throw at Jimmy Butler. And that's not to say that he still won't go out there and you know, average 30 points a game because he probably will. Um, but in my opinion, like the Celtics in this series are the hands down, the more talented team. They're the deeper team. They're not the better coach team. I will give Miami credit. They have the hands down the best coach in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, this is still going to be a tough series because Miami bring makes Boston, you know, like play as the worst version of themselves all the time. And for me, I just think the key to the series is if the Celtics can limit their turnovers and they can, you know, limit the amount of times that Miami gets out in transition, I think they're going to be fine. Um, and I, you know, for the series, I'm taking the Celtics in seven games. I, there's no reason that the series won't go seven. I, I just, you know, I think it'll be seven, you know, I think there'll, there'll be a couple blowouts in there where Boston's talent just is overwhelming for Miami. But, you know, knowing that these two teams and, you know, with, with the Miami Heat, I just think, you know, it's destined to go seven again. Well, when you said a few minutes ago that you're that you don't like the idea of another seven game series with Jimmy Butler and the Heat, I was thinking, well, you know, it's not going to go seven. You don't have to worry about seven, uh, and I don't think it will. I think it will be. Uh, I think it will be six, and I'm cautiously optimistic based on, you know, the things the team hopefully discovered about itself the last two games that, uh, you know, it might even be five, but I don't think we'll go seven. My God, I hope it's not going to go seven. That, that, that'll mean I'll be grim for too many, too many days between now and game seven. I, you know, I'm not even going to think that way. Wish you hadn't brought it up that way. Well, I don't listen. I don't want another game seven either, especially after last year's game seven in the conference finals. But I just, it's, it's always, you know, with these two teams, it happens all the time. Like they play Boston very tough. Um, and vice versa. I will say this though, you know, the Celtics, I don't, I think they gained respect for Philly after this last series. I don't know how much they respected Philly, um, you know, before that, because I mean, for a while and even after the series, like it was just Boston dominated Philadelphia in the playoffs. And obviously we've always said they tend to play down to their competition. I'm not saying that like they played down to Philadelphia's competition because I think Philadelphia is a good basketball team. But you can make the case for Atlanta. Um, you know, certainly Brooklyn last year, was they were a challenge. Um, and obviously Milwaukee. But I always found it interesting that over the past couple seasons, the one team that the Celtics have always time and time again 
always mentioned, and, and it's not just like one or two guys. It's, it's been a lot of the guys on the team, like the core guys have always given a lot of credit to Miami and how Miami plays them tough and how they respect Miami because like they, you know, the heat culture or whatever, which is total bullshit. Like, um, yeah, no, I, I can't stand when, when, Keep fans say that or like keep players say that it's like oh okay cool so like you practice like that's that's great and and it's funny if you i've listened to like a bunch of podcasts that jj reddick's done or other players have done and they'll ask miami heat players about heat culture and they're like what is it and they won't even be able to explain it to them so i'm like i can't i like you don't even know what it is like it's just some sort of i don't know it's some some lingo they have down there but anyway well, a little bit of fear would be good if, if you know, the, yeah. the, if the Celtics enter this with um, a few question marks in their mind and a few concerns, that's that's exactly what I want to see, because they 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 did rise in the last five days to the to the occasion. It took them a little while to get there. But, uh, you know, I don't know whether the Celtic culture in the Philadelphia series was um you know, sort of entitlement that they just had to show up and work kind of sort of hard and things would fall into place. And that, so, you know, fear, fear is good. I think they respond well when they, when they, when they have to, I mean, it's gotten yeah. them to this point anyhow, instead of us saying goodbye to the season in this, in this episode where, you know, we're plowing ahead. Yeah. And, and I was scared. <laughs> I was, there was, there was a point where, you know, I was, I was sort of ready to let it go and I was going to be okay with it. Um, but they asked, like, obviously they went around and they asked, you know, guys questions at practice today. And Malcolm Brogdon, um, I don't have the exact one in front of me, but he said about the Miami Heat that they've been able to, like, out-tough, you know, mentally and physically some of the teams that they've played. Like, they've been the more mentally tough team. Um, and he said that that wasn't going to happen to the Celtics in this series. For I will say this for a team that I do think at points do get derailed easily and are, you know, or do tend to show signs of being mentally weak. I do think that, you know, is that wasn't the greatest quote because this team, it doesn't take a whole hell of a lot to get this team really discombobulated. Uh, for a while, it was the officiating to an extent, it still is, but it's also just like, and with Tatum in particular, like when he doesn't have it going or he can sense it's not his night. I mean, we saw in the Philly series, like he will just pack up shop and go home. Um, and that, you know, isn't always the case as we saw in game six. But you know, this, this is a it's going to be another challenging series for them that I think, you know, there's no reason that they can't get through it. I don't think there's an excuse for them to not get through it. Um, at the end of the day, they have the more talent. And, you know, I always said they had the most talent in the league. Like they one through eight, one through nine, whatever. They had the most talented roster in the league. And if they can go out and they can just play the way that they've played, you know, with the, the way that, you know, they, they played to get to this point, I think they're going to be fine. Miami obviously challenges different threats from, you know, the way Philly did. But you look at you know, Boston handled Joel Embiid well. They handled James Harden well. You look on the other end, I don't think there's as many guys who are capable of doing the things guys like Tyrese Maxey, DeAnthony Melton, uh, Tobias Harris to an extent. Um, so it should be a great series, but you know, I, I really do like the Celtics' chances in this. I, I feel totally different about this Heat series 
than I did last year, even though last year went seven, and I do believe this year is going to go seven. Yeah. Yeah. The inter- one, one of the interesting things is you know, all the talk about the Celtics' depth, but we're really not even seeing that in the, at, at least in the Philadelphia series. It really is limited to, you know, seven. Yeah, yeah seven or eight and then they aren't getting to where where the true depth of a team comes in those uh right. you know that 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 second that second tier uh they're they're seeing very limited time so it's uh you know really a seven or eight player team that's um you know showing up out there and they certainly are are demonstrably deep at that level but uh you know the the rest of their depth is just kind of languishing on the bench sorry to see uh Blake not get in at the tail end of of um of, of of that game. You know he's just been such a such a such a quiet rock back there and made it past the second round for the first time in his career. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> he's got more second round appearances than than, than Doc Rivers. <laughs> oh, 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 that's low. That's low. No, I'm sure. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure he uh, he appreciates that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I could see why against Philly with Harden and with Embiid and and with Maxi that they would only play, you know, like Grant and Gill many minutes. Housing yep. didn't see the floor a lot. Uh, this is a series where I think you can utilize those guys because I don't like there's outside of Jimmy Butler and maybe Kyle Lowry to an extent. I don't think there's too many guys on Miami that you're worried about, like taking those guys off the dribble or like, you know, creating their own shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and for Miami, a weakness that they're going to have is last year when it came to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they could put, you know, Jimmy Butler on one of those guys, which I know they don't always do that because they don't have like Giannis, for example, like for an example, like Giannis isn't going to guard Jason Tatum. Like Giannis is a hell of a defender, but your best offensive player nine times out of 10, the playoff series isn't going to guard the opposing team's best player. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know who Jimmy Butler will start out on. But last year when they had P.J. Tucker, they could put P.J. Tucker on Jason Tatum. And Caleb Martin, who's a pretty good defender himself, they could put him on Jalen Brown. And this year they don't have that. And now you're going to be looking at Kyle Lowry, who is certainly undersized at his position. Um, Caleb Martin is tough. I'm not sure, you know, with the way – if Tatum can carry his momentum from game seven into the series, I'm not sure, you know, what Caleb Martin will be able to do with Tatum. I don't think there's any guy – in these playoffs that is going to be able to keep Jalen Brown in check because he's playing, you know, some of the most ridiculous basketball I've seen him play. Uh, and then you're getting into like Gabe Vincent, who's not a good defender and Max Struess, who's not a good defender. And um, dare I say, Duncan Robinson, who, uh, who's not a, not a great defender at all. Um, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully the Miami Heat put in the call and that, you know, they accommodate Duncan Robinson and the visiting locker room. Um, you know, accordingly, because I know that was a huge issue for him last year, um, even though he didn't play. I know the, the Celtic visiting locker room was it was a topic of, of conversation for him. So hopefully they 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 figured that out. Um, but I just, you know, with, with the amount of guys that the Celtics can go at on defense, um, I may have just talked myself into Celtics in six. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, you, you just you just supported that. And uh, if it doesn't turn out that way, I will. Uh, I will really be surprised. It's just too many, too many pieces. They've they've got. If they're all if they're all clicking, then they uh, six shouldn't be a stretch, in yeah. my humble opinion. Yeah, and 
you know, credit credit to Miami. They were the playing team. They played two playing games to get here. They played the, the one seed. They played a really tough Nick team. Uh, I just I don't know. I don't and I I really I'm trying to not underestimate them because I know people have done it before and I I know where you know I feel like I know where this is headed. Um but I just I feel like you know the, at some point it's like you know it's you can only maximum get so much out of a team and we didn't going into the year we didn't really like the Miami Heat at all. Um no. Cause I mean, they have a lot of really tough gritty players that, you know, credit to them or undrafted players or guys who are sort of just floating around in the league and they've managed to, you know, pave some decent NBA careers out of it. But at some point, like talent does, um, you know, talent does win and you can only get so much out of, you know, a roster full of guys who have more deficiencies than they do, you know, positive attributes. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I think it's going to catch up, uh, to their um to the other South Florida team that's pulling off miracles and that's the Florida Panthers and I think at this point they're uh they're coming up against Carolina and I think their bubble's gonna burst just as I think the Heats is gonna burst against uh against um against the Celtics. Did we uh did we talk about the Bruins last episode? Uh, I th- I think I think we did, and I I think we finished the conversation on that one. And, <laughs> you know, I okay, I, no, I wasn't sure. We don't we're not, I, we don't have to rip the I've moved down, on so. from that. I've moved on from that. But yeah, you know, that's all the, the four teams left in the NHL playoffs are all from way south of the Mason-Dixon line. It shouldn't be that way, for God's sakes. It's uh, yeah. Dallas, Las Vegas, Carolina, and Florida. You know, so much for the northern sport. But anyhow, we're here for basketball. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Red Sox are all right though, right? Oh well they you know that, that eight game that eight game streak was um it was really nice, but they've now lost four in a row and they haven't looked good. And uh after getting his four hundredth career save, um there there were two blown slips, blown saves by uh by by um what's his name? Uh Yes, yeah, that, that 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 just slipped my mind, and and the pitch clock was killing him a couple of days ago. So, he's uh, he's got to figure out how he's going to you know take that that wind up of his that's gotten him 400 saves and trim it down so he doesn't get a uh, uh, you know th- those two games were terrible. It wasn't just the pitch clock either. He was he was walking guys, and you know it's almost as if uh, you know he got his 400th career save. His work is done. You know, just coast through the rest of the season, but yeah, these last four games have been have been pretty pretty dreadful, really. So, I mean, last night what was it, ten to one? It's a good Seattle team, but still ten to one. Yeah. yeah. Did um, yeah. did you see the most recent report regarding John Morant? Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know, one one time you could attribute it to. Uh, you know, just youthful stupidity, and but the team apparently hasn't found a mentor for mentor for him. You know, some some uh, somebody like an Al Horford who can sit him down and talk to him and and get him to focus at the task at hand. I was a, uh, I was I was really disappointed to to see that that happened again. And, so for me, like. When it came to the veteran thing, like you just mentioned, I think with most young guys in the league that would work, um, they have Stephen Adams there, and and I know Stephen Adams isn't 
has never been like the, you know, a top whatever player in the league. Um, but he's a guy who has carved out a really nice career um, and has had a lot of success. And I think the night that the whole, the first incident went down, Steven Adams mentioned that like the players have to start being more mature and like not going out late on the road or whatever. And everyone said that was directed at John Morant. And then literally like two or three hours later, whatever it was, uh, you know, that's when that whole incident went down. So I don't know. And there's Arnold. Um, <laughs> right at the very end. I don't know if with a guy like that, if, um, you know, there's any sort of, hang on. What's up? He's ready for game. He's ready for game one. Um, <laughs> wrapping it up. I don't know what his future holds in the league. I think he's going to get a lofty suspension. And it's just unfortunate that, you know, it's it's gone this way with him because yeah. he is very talented. Um, but obviously, um, with things like that, you know, you can't can't just be flashing, you know, a firearm. So, uh, yeah, situation for him and the Grizzlies. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. And uh but the world is full of people who just uh they just can't you know, they can't control themselves uh when it comes to stuff like that, when it comes to legal things or something that's obviously going to make your your team and your fan base really angry and disappointed. And Yeah. And uh you know, I think my biggest takeaway from that whole thing is uh I don't trust, uh, you know, 48-hour rehabilitation centers in Florida. So. No. No. Yeah. That was clearly I, a waste of everybody's time. Yeah. I made the comment about about Al, but but I think it, uh, you know, he might not be the answer either. And he might be one of the better options out there to talk sense to a, to a, to a young guy. But I think that uh, – I think that John Morant just likes that image a little bit too much. And boy, you know, I mean, you've got such a promising career and such hope for, uh, uh, you know, a huge payload coming in for a long time. And man, if that's not going to keep you incentivized, I don't know. I don't know what is. So, yeah, no, it's, it's super unfortunate to see. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm not like praying on anybody's downfall. So hopefully, you know, he can figure it out and, uh, you know, he can get himself right. But, you know, there is definitely going to be a lofty suspension uh, coming down, headed his way and how that impacts the Grizzlies who really were a team coming into last or this season that I think a lot of people thought could have been a, a potential threat to make a run in the West. And now it just seems like, you know, between the Dylan Brooks stuff that's come out about them not wanting him, him back and, you know, this whole thing, it just seems like that, um, you know, it was a talented group that may be spiraling in the, uh, you know, in the wrong direction. So, yeah, I think so. Right now, if we had to do our our uh, season preview for 23-24 um, season, I wouldn't put them in my top 10. No. Uh, would I would I even put them in the top 15? I'm not sure. I think it's I think it's damaged goods now. There's too much. uh straightening out that they have to do and yeah yeah yes. and uh you know i mean it, a lot of it'll you know be depending on what their you know what the suspension looks like for him but uh you know if they're talking you know, some stuff that i've seen have been 20 25 games i mean if you're talking you know that amount of time i mean that's it's a lot of games and oh yeah you know, it's 
you know, it's only an 82 game season. So to be without your best player and, you know, one of the best players in the league, I mean, that's, it's certainly damaging. Yeah. And if he's out, if he's out that many games, is he, does he have the maturity to show up and keep working in, uh, you know, on his own, if he has to stay away from the team, uh, you know, does he just have the, have the maturity to, to keep his game up or is that the kind of thing that's going to crumble him and crumble the team? Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But um, all right, Celtics and Heat, game one tomorrow night, 8.30. And it's all TNT, so we don't have to listen to Doris Burke anymore. Oh, um, thank God for small mercies. Thank God. I mean, that, some people are saying that's the biggest win that the Celtics took on Sunday was that Doris Burke wasn't there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, there, there, there. Sometimes I can tolerate her, but mostly I can't. And the number of times that she referred to Joel as the MVP—I mean, you know—he got the MVP. So you know, let's yeah, not keep referring it. to him every two minutes as the MVP. Yeah. Uh, it was like they would. Uh, oh, without a doubt, that was a foul in Boston. Without a doubt, like that was her go-to every single time. And then, like Joel would go up for a layup or something, and it would get blocked or he'd get stripped. And I can't remember who the one guy, who the guy with her was, was doing it. But he'd be like, Doris, you think there was a foul on that play? And it'd be like all ball, like a clean block or whatever. And then Doris Burke would come in. Yeah, like he got shot in the chest. Like it, it was it was a foul. Yeah. It was like, okay. So, yeah, no, small victories. Um, you know, small victory. Celtics win game seven. Large victory. We don't have to listen to Doris Burke. So, moving forward, that should that should be yes. a positive. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Game one, Wednesday night, uh, should be a fun series. Obviously, Arnold is super amped for it. He made <laughs> first appearance, I think, since one of the earlier episodes. Um, that was that was certainly unplanned, but you know he's he's still hanging around. So, yep. Tomorrow night, the first of six. First of six, not seven. Six. So. Yep, six, six. Enjoy <laughs> it while you can. It's going to be over sure. too soon, and then we'll be talking about. Uh, whether they're up against uh, Denver or Lakers. Uh, I hope the Lakers. I just want Celtics-Lakers for once in my life. That's all I want. Just one time. That's right. You would not have – you wouldn't have gone through that small bit of drama over the years. So, yeah, that, that is a good point. I remember 2008. I wasn't obviously old enough to appreciate it. 2010, I know, was, was brutal. Um, but, you know, ever since then, it just seems like they haven't been on, like, you know – the same same level and now you know there's a there's a shot it could happen this year so i'm, I'm yeah. crossing my fingers yep so, well we'll know we'll in another week and a half or so yeah definitely okay all right that's going to do it for the episode thank you for everyone for tuning in uh game one tomorrow night as the celtics look to take a 1-0 series lead and protect home court and hopefully uh, make their path to the finals uh, that much closer. Um, like I said in the top, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, thank you again to Steve for um, sitting down and being able to chat and record. And as always, let's go Celtics.